my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with one of my favorite former students, Nick Taylor. How are you, Nick? I'm doing well, Dr. Greenwood. How the heck are you? Oh, I'm doing so great. Uh, Nick, it's been too long. Um, you know, I, I it was so funny because I was just talking um to dr kevin lynn um and um who and and i thought for sure that he would have know you and i was like yeah i think he's like 2017 graduate and um and kevin was like no i i don't remember him um and lo and behold Kevin got here in 2014 and you graduated in 2013. So <laughs> you might have right. like you might have like uh toured him around campus or met him in an interview, but you weren't here during uh during that time, right? I wasn't. No, that's yeah, 2013. I, I we we just missed each other. Ships in the night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh so 10 years out, um it's it's really exciting to get a chance to talk to Nick. Nick was such a leader here on campus when he was here and um and he has uh he has has a, a really interesting career. He's 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 been he's been down the shoe path, um, which we're gonna we're gonna talk about. He's director of sales operations for uh, a little company that folks may have heard of called Crocs. Um, so I imagine that most people out there have had a, a pair of Crocs at some time or have a pair right now. And so it's really exciting to get to talk to you, Nick. But but uh, but, you know, it's like every, everyone has some and um, and it's like one of those type things where uh, they're so comfortable and um, and, and such a, a omnipresent part of the culture now, which is so funny. And um, and so it's going to be really fun to talk to you about that. But let's go back in time um, b- before we get there and, and talk about. Uh, where you grew up and, and, uh, you know, a little bit about your, your younger life. Tell us, tell us where you grew up. Yeah. So I grew up in, in the beautiful Bay area, uh, San Jose, California, uh, born and raised there and, and lived my whole life in, in San Jose up until I moved to slow to go to, to go to Cal Poly, um, and, uh, made my way up to Colorado since then. I was gonna say I I thought you were I I thought you were in Colorado. That's what I was yeah. thinking. And uh, but but you know with remote we're we're gonna get into some of that the remote um, work and all. I wasn't a hundred percent, but um, but yeah. you got the fly fishing hat on. Um, you know our, our listeners can't see. So I was thinking, yeah, I don't think he's Bay Area now. If he's uh he's got a fly fishing hat. I bet he is in Colorado. But uh, so so tell us about um obviously the Bay Area is pretty big like what what area what what um what part of the bay were you in i grew up in south bay and like uh lot just on the edge of los gatos uh okay. kind of 101 and 85 for those that know the area yeah of <laughs> course of course uh yeah. what did your what did your parents do when you were growing up my dad is uh he owned and operated a uh optometry business since oh. i was young uh and he just thank god he just retired 
<laughs> so oh. it's, it's great news. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Shout out to dad and congratulations yeah. on the retirement. And that's really funny because uh, beforehand, Nick and I were were uh, talking about we both have similar looking frames, um, those uh, those uh, light, uh, clear frames. And uh, and so you've been yep. uh, you've been in the frame world for a long time, huh? I, I've been around it a long, a long time. Frame going to frame shows as a kid at uh, his office was one of my favorite things. Nice. One of my favorites. And my mom was a uh, worked in public health a long time, and then she started to own and operate her own business, uh, helping kids apply to go to college, um, which oh. she's since retired from. Oh, so. right on, right on, yeah. really cool. Uh, yeah. What about siblings? Any any siblings? I've got a big brother. He's the general manager of the San Jose Giants. So for any of you who go to the San Jose Giants games. That's uh Big Brother's show now. No way. Yeah. That's really that is really awesome. Well, we'll definitely we need to connect. You need to introduce me to your your brother. Anytime. That's really awesome. Because you know, obviously, I have the connection with the Giants. And um you do. I don't know if you you saw or not, but I was somehow lucky enough to be um inducted into the Junior Giants Hall of Fame this past year. Yeah. So I got a I got an orange jacket and everything. It was really cool. cool Who is that? It was wow. It was um you know one of the coolest things that I've ever experienced. Um uh was getting inducted and um you know Barry Bonds and Willie Mays uh they were they were there and um and um and it, it was um it, it was really it was really quite spectacular because um you know I, I know some of the uh some of the listeners won't know this name, but those who are Giants fans know the name. Um Rennell Brooks Moon was um the MC yep. of the of the ceremony, and she didn't know that she was going to be inducted into the Junior Giants Hall of Fame also. So they surprised her. So that made it um, really, really special to be able to stand there on top of the dugout with her and um, and experience that. And, uh, you know, such an iconic voice and and um, iconic in, in terms of, of uh, trailblazer, a female trailblazer. Um, I can so hear really, her voice. Yeah, really, really cool. But I think I think what was what was even cooler, Nick, was that um, my son has recently gotten back into baseball after a four-year layoff, and so he got to go with me uh, to the Junior Giants Hall of Fame game where I got to wear the the jacket in the stands and That's walk funny. around the stands and people are like, you know, uh, uh, they were like, Hey, lo- love your jacket. And I was like, yeah, it was That's pretty so fun. special. How yeah, cool it, it was pretty cool. It was really yeah. cool. Unfortunately, it was a one nothing game. And I think the giants like uh, got like three hits and my, my son was oh. like, Oh man. <laughs> but I, that's that's yeah, baseball, right? That's aside from the point of the big bigger purpose of that game. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, and the funny thing is, is um, I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking us. But the funny thing is, I I told him I'm like sometimes you have to sacrifice those games for the historic games, right? I mean, you know, if you go to enough, you, you might experience history. So our very next game for his 13th birthday, I took him down to Angels uh, Stadium to see. Shohei pitch on Japanese Heritage Night. That's cool. And the sucker struck out 10 and hit two home runs. First <laughs> time it had happened in a hundred years. 
Holy cow. Yeah, That's yeah. So I was game. like, the contrast between the two games, son, is like yeah. unbelievable, you know. So anyway. That's cool. Uh uh, so so let's uh let's get back to you, Nick. Um, after after I sidetracked us there with the Giants talk. Uh tell us what you were like growing up. I mean, I know you were I know you had some sports love, but 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 what else? What else were you into? Yeah, I was as a young kid, I was uh very into drama. I was a uh I was a um what play was this? I was the lead actor in a play in in, in elementary school called Guys and Dolls. I was I was Nathan Detroit in Guys and Dolls. Nice, <laughs> Back nice. in the day. All right. That, that, that I'm didn't put you last. On the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot. How about a solo? Oh, wow. I couldn't even remember a song. <laughs> oh, you know what? I could remember there. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. You're rocking the boat. That's all yeah. I can remember, though. <laughs> yeah, rock it. I love it. I that's love only, it. It's the only song I remember. It's, it's sad. It's like it's riding sad. the bike, man. It's like riding a bike, though. You You just, like, nailed it. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Right, it's right. it's an honor to have the opportunity to re-sing my uh, fifth grade play. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that. I love that. You know, and I could have guessed that, Nick. You've always been, um, you know, you've always had such a such a, the gift of gab and and been such a like articulate, um, you know, gregarious uh, person. And so I can I, I can see that drama side. What about sports? What uh, what what sports were you into? Yeah, I was a uh, I was a big basketball player. And played travel baseball for a long time. Went to go play high school ba- uh, baseball, but that didn't pan out for very long. Um, and I just really loved playing basketball. Um, nice. So spent a lot of my time playing basketball and um, got recruited to play in college. And then just over the moon that I didn't get recruited enough to play anywhere uh, that that was exciting to me. So I turned it down and and, and instead went on a path to come to Cal Poly, which was which was um leaps and bounds better than the experience I would have had playing basketball somewhere else. So right, that's kind of I, fun. fun. I hear you. We're, we're closes. I really, I I really appreciate that. I kind of have a little bit of a similar thing with baseball. You know, it was like one of those things like, do I pass up my dream school that I've always, you know, envisioned myself going to, or do I uh chase a dream that this uh slow-footed catcher will probably never uh <laughs> this uh will never uh uh accomplish and so yeah I'm I'm with you there. Um yeah. let's talk um let's talk a little bit about um you know that that transition time in between um obviously uh being a kid and growing up in Los Gatos and and uh guys and dolls and 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 the glory years of high school like i've been uh i've been asking uh my guests recently for that uh for that glory days moment is there is there something that you look back on and you're like wow that was one heck of an accomplishment that i had in uh my high school years yeah, that's it. My head goes two places immediately. Number one is uh, I won this award at uh, the graduation senior year of high school for um, community service, mm-hmm. um, the Lawrence J. Hill Award. And it was it was one of those just really cool recognition points of a lot of the community building that I did in, in um, high school and getting to know so many different people and um, being of service them at that time and mm-hmm. it's something that i've kind of carried forward with me and community is a super important part of of who i am and and i just try to find that now um but that's that's kind of the 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 one shining moment that that sticks out in my head um as a pretty cool one 
Um, and, and the second, interestingly enough, and it, it, it feels funny that it comes up on, on this pad podcast, it's probably appropriate, but it's the only true, like, um, I'll, I'll call it an out of body experience that I've had, which was after I decided to go to Cal Poly, I, I did one more tour of campus just to soak things in. And yeah. it's the first time I was like, I am so damn proud of myself. This is yeah. a hard school for me to get into. I'm yeah. not like a straight A student. Um, and I, I was just extremely proud of myself. And I was walking around that campus taller than I had walked around in a long time. Right. I love, absolutely love hearing that, um, Nick. And, and that is a, what a great segue into your time here, because, you know, I, I think, um, I think sometimes we have some people have a ten, there, there's, there's a tendency to take it for granted you know, um, the opportunities that we are presented with, right? And um, and and the privilege that we have um, when, when we get into a place like Cal Poly, right? And we we fall into a path of, of whatever it might be, right? Uh, of complacency or status quo or whatever. And, you know, when I think about people who did the opposite of that, right? Like you're, you're one that comes to mind, you know? And, um, you ended up being one of the you ended up leading the tours of Cal Poly, you know, and yeah. uh, and being such a a, a, a student who is, who is so committed to, to leadership and so committed to professional development. But let's not go there yet. Let's let's um let's talk about those enduring memories. Um, you you gave us one enduring memory of uh you know um of of being on campus and and thinking about your accomplishment of getting here. What about your four years? Is there a moment? that stands out where you think to yourself like wow i'll never forget that sunset or that hike or whatever whatever it might be those set of friends whatever it might be yeah i'll uh i'll share the the one that's probably nearest and dearest to my heart which is the first farmer's market that i took uh my uh future wife to um it was uh obviously a thursday farmers and uh it's the it's the experience that sticks out the most. I asked her if she wanted to go walk around farmers with me as our first date, and um, it was just she and I. And uh, her, it took her roommate to tell her, "Hey, Hannah, I think Nick is asking you on a date." <laughs> she had no idea. Um, and that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably one of my one of my all time favorites, one that sticks out the most. But yeah, oh, man, that is. That is spectacular. And so whenever y'all come back uh, to, to town, um, I imagine a, a Thursday night is is on the agenda. You're, you're going long weekend when you're booking it with slow, right? Absolutely. Especially now <laughs> that you fly into the airport directly. Oh my oh my goodness. It's, it's a joy. So great. And it's such a beautiful airport too. You know, it's a, it's amazing now. Yeah. People you know that don't you mentioned know, that. Yeah, people don't know. Like back in the day, that thing was like you fly in and you're like, man, where did I? <laughs> I I still remember Dr. Greenwood. We had one of our RPTA back when it was RPTA. I had yeah. one of our, we had one of our events at um at the airport back yeah, before yeah, it was yeah. remodeled. Yeah, the hangar. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a pretty sweet Kim, auction dinner. It was. Uh, Kim Savedra put together the. Uh, I still remember. I can still see it in my head. The flyer for it with all the planes taking off and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was really fabulous. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, well, so now let's. Uh, that's a that's a great segue now, right? The professional development. Um, you know, are there are there moments? Are there are not moments? Are there things or experiences from your, um, from your college career that that really stand out? Um, I've already kind of 
um, you know, mentioned um, mentioned one that you were a leader with poly reps, but um, uh, whether it's that or something else from your professional development in school, like what really stands out where you think like, oh, wow, that really helped to propel me. I, I don't have like a one event type answer to this, but I, I think one of the things that really helped me professionally is the amount of different opportunities I took advantage of at the university to just do everything I could, whether it was getting involved in, in club beach volleyball or joining poly reps or doing events with RPTA or just literally anything I could sink my teeth into. Right. Um, again, I think I already mentioned, I'm not like, I'm not one of the top, I'm not a valedictorian um, student. And and one of the ways that I succeeded and, and helped myself was by just getting involved in everything I could, meeting people um, across the campus and, and just joining in. I didn't know much about anything at that point, uh, looking right. back, and it's just right. getting involved. Um, I, so I would tell you that's getting involved was my biggest professional development um, across the board. Right, right. You know, we... um. It's really interesting, Nick, because we we went through this period of time coming out of the pandemic where we were really, really worried because um, in your era and and all throughout my time here at Cal Poly, one of the things that that Dr. Hendricks and and all of us um, always said was when we made a call, you guys, you all stepped up. You know, you the uh, uh, EIM RPTA students always answered the bell, right? And um, whether it was us taking sixty students to a California Park and Recreation Society conference, or you know, for scholarships, or to to uh, tour the campus for an incoming faculty, like we always got volunteers for everything, right? And coming out of the pandemic, it was like crickets we would make calls for things and there would be crickets. Right. And we were all like pulling our hair out for a little while. We we're like, Whoa, like what's happening? Why, why, or how, or have the students changed? And what we just realized is that, Hey, we were all cooped up in our houses for a period of time. And there were not those social interactions and people sort of default to that. And so you got to kind of nudge a little bit more. Right. And that's on you, right. As a professor, that's on you as a staff member to really encourage people to get involved and encourage students to take those opportunities. And so I love hearing you say that because I think it's so, so valid, right. You know, for, for those years where we're hiding behind a mask, yeah. um, yes, it was necessary, but also it gave us a little bit of anonymity, a little bit of a like, hey, okay, I can just kind of sit in the back. And that's not what Cal Poly is about, right? You know, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> at all. <laughs> and so yeah. I love hearing you say that because I'm not a valedictorian either. Like I, uh, I, I got by when I struggled academically and um, professional development wise was when I was sitting in the back of the room and not saying anything. And, um, and, you know, you, you do get passed by. I mean, when that, when that happens, you got to be the one, you got to be the one uh, raising your hand or giving a smile or whatever it may be, lending a hand when that hand is needed. So I love that. Let's talk yeah. about um, transitioning out of Cal Poly into the career space. Um, 
tell us uh first of all tell us what your what your internship was and <laughs> how you got it the whole experience and all of that i know you have yeah. a fun one so i'm excited to hear about it yeah so uh it, yeah mine's mine's unique I, I when i would came to cal poly part of the the interest was getting into hospitality at the time yeah. um obviously i'm no longer in that but uh my my internship directly out of cal poly was becoming a butler at the saint regis in aspen colorado right at the base of the mountain <laughs> the butler did it <laughs> the butler did it yeah exactly and uh that was a fascinating experience. I learned enough about hospitality to learn I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I was thinking you might say something like that when you led that way. So, <laughs> so obviously, everyone has their stereotype of what the butler. You know, I I, I joked about the old the old clue, uh, the yeah. old clue or the murder mystery. You know, the butler did it. Um, but you know, those of us who have w- watched Down um, Downton Abbey, you know, we we know we know butlers from from uh, from uh, the UK and and um, and that sphere. But I don't think most of us, at least I'm speaking for myself only, Nick, sure. I've never really heard of it in a modern setting or even in a hospitality setting. So tell us about St. Regis. Um, yeah. Obviously, we know Aspen's kind of uh, high end uh, hospitality. So tell us what that was like. What did you do? Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the, the experience was was really interesting. Um Coming in as a butler, I didn't know butlers even existed anymore. Um, and, and looking back on it now, it's 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 one of the most unique experiences because you touch every part of the hospitality uh, experience for a customer, right? Okay. Um, so the St. Regis is one of the only brands that still um, offers a butler for any of their guests. And it's okay. just at the suite or presidential suite level. Okay. Um, so it's not for anybody. But if you if you were in one of our suites, it automatically came with a butler who um, arranged your pre-travel. So I'd be this is back. This is wild. This is 10 years ago, back when we were still using Blackberries. Um, so had I, had, Blackberry? I had a Blackberry. Yeah. You a Blackberry? I, I had a I had a butler Blackberry That's that awesome. uh, that I would use to write emails to to the to the guests arriving a couple days in advance and ask them their flight information. And then I drive the Cadillac Escalade over to the private airport. They'd roll out the red carpet for the person to walk into the Escalade. They get driven to the uh, to the um, uh, uh, not the airport, the hotel. We we'd already have them checked in. Their bags were our the bags went in a separate car so that they already got to the oh. hotel, and I was already unpacking their bags for them oh. by the time they had arrived in their room, which was a new experience unpacking somebody's bag for them. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, now, now did and, you did you refer to did you refer to uh, women as milady? Uh, I did not. <laughs> Although we had a lot of Saudi princes, and this oh. was an interesting one. Oh, you so refer to them you. as you. Well, you're not supposed to talk directly to them, which I didn't know. Oh. And when I uh, first approached one of them, I I thought you were supposed to say "Your Majesty." You're not. You're supposed to say "His Majesty," and oh. that took a heck of a long time for me to learn because we had a lot of Saudi princes that came through, and it was always. Uh, Good day, His Majesty. Or you would, if you ever talked to them, you would say that. But usually, you had to talk to their assistant. You weren't allowed to talk to them. Oh wow, wow! There was a lot to learn. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I would have definitely been. I would have definitely been the bozo, like just like you know, trying to give them a pound and be like, oh, yeah. hey, hey, hey. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I would I have seen don't. like their Jor- I would have seen like their Jordans underneath their uh, gown or yeah. whatever, and been like, "Hey, what's up, yo? Hey, you know?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, someone like tackled me from the side. Like, don't you dare! <laughs> that was real. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was yeah. a lot of uh, sneaking people in through private entrances, and like P Diddy would come, and Elvis Presley's daughter would come. Like it was, it was highbrow. Really, you were butler for P Diddy. Uh, I was not his butler. I snuck him in through the back great entrance when uh, there was an NBA wedding at the at the hotel. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, Nick, that yeah. is really really awesome, brother. What a fun <laughs> what a fun internship. Uh, what a it was. fun way to what a fun entry into the career space. Um, it was. So uh, speaking of um, speaking of big jumps, so from St. Regis to REI, right? Yeah. <laughs> your first, uh, your first position after the internship. Um, tell us what that was like. You know, we've um, obviously we've had a few students over the years that have worked for for REI, and you know, when you think about um, iconic brands in the outdoor space, obviously REI comes to mind, and um, just just has always seemed in me being a member for a long time has just seemed like an amazing place to work. Um, what, what was that like? And tell us what your one key takeaway was from your, from your two years with REI. Yeah. Uh, REI spoke a lot to my love for the outdoors, obviously. And it's part of the reason I went there and, and my, my big key takeaway, uh, that I still use in, in my current job today is that everything's about the customer experience, no matter if you're customer facing or not. Yeah. Everything you do is about the final customer experience. Right. 100%. I love it. And, uh, you know, we've, um, you know, since you've left, we, we've doubled down on that with uh, with experience design and co-creating experiences and all of that. You know, we changed our customer service class to customer experience. And and um, and so that, that that's really fabulous. You know, we're not going to walk all the way through your career. We're going to we're going to stick to the shoes now. OK, so you. Yeah. Uh, you left REI and you went to uh, to another iconic shoe brand that that um, most everyone has heard of in Timberland, and you were there for for almost five years, um, uh, and even um, uh, through a, a little small part of the of the pandemic. Um, tell us what that experience was like. Um, what what got? How did you? How did you make that transition to shoes? And and um, and obviously you weren't like you know, you weren't schlepping shoes and trying on shoes with folks. You were, you know, you, you rose to be an account executive eventually, but, but tell us uh, what that experience was like. And um, it sounds like you did a lot of traveling. Is that right? Yeah, I did quite a bit of traveling. So I got headhunted at at REI by, by Timberland. They were looking for a field marketing rep at the time to cover the West, West uh, mountain states is what the territory is called. So it's Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, um, sometimes Montana. Um, so anyways, I got hired to do that um, and, and go around to all the stores and service the stores um, that, that Timberland was selling shoes into. That must have been um, rough, like some really uh, ugly, ugly places there with uh, the, uh, uh, no fly fishing or anything like that for you. No to... fly fishing, no mountain biking ever, <laughs> no hiking with my customers, you know, none, uh-huh. of, that. none <laughs> yeah. of that. I, I still think to this day that that still is my favorite job of all time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it was spectacular. And then um, as things would have it, um, we we shut that program down a little bit and, and morphed it into... Um, 
a more sales focused role, which is how I got into um, sales um, mm-hmm. and became an account executive uh, for the brand. And I ended up covering at the at the end of my career there, I ended up covering about every account west of the Mississippi um, oh, wow. min- minus Texas. So I had a, another still a great territory, just just a lot of accounts um, yeah. and and got to sell into the accounts and and kind of assort them with their with their seasonal Timberland business. Um, really, awesome. really fun job. That's awesome. Really cool. Well, well, so we've we've arrived. Um, we've arrived at uh, another iconic brand, like we like we mentioned earlier with Crocs, and um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Nick is is sitting there in their, their professional uh, media space there at uh, Crocs headquarters, and he's got all of them um, behind him, and um, and uh, you know, I I want to ask you first of all, um. You've mentioned your love for the outdoors, right? And you've mentioned, uh, obviously, Colorado. Tell us exactly where you're living in Colorado um, and um, what it's like. Like, tell it, give us a little bit about the uh, uh, your your locale, your your sense of place, and and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, so we now live in in what we call the San Luis Obispo, uh, Colorado, which is uh, which is Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Specifically, we're we're just outside Boulder in a little town called Lafayette. Okay. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot and, of that. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's, it's 15 minutes just directly east of Boulder. Um, but, you know, we live right close to the, the Flatirons, really close to some really great mountain biking, some world-class um, fly fishing rivers. Um, and, and just, you know, we're, we're an hour and 20 minutes from some of our favorite places in the world to go camping, to go hiking, to go mountain biking and fly fishing. It's, it's, yeah. it's a dream. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an incredible place. Um, it's a little, little town and we walk up to our favorite restaurants every Wednesday and have date nights. And, um, you know, it's a little walkable place. It's, it's, it's great. Nice. I mean, since you started out walking, y'all gotta, y'all gotta walk. Y'all gotta keep walking. I love it. We walk backwards. The couple, the couple that, the the couple that walks together stayed together, right? There you go. I love it. That's really cool. Um, so, so let's talk about your arrangement, right? So, um, you know, you obviously, I, I, I said that you're in an office setting right now, but, um, but what's your setup? Do you have some yeah. flexibility with your work? Um, obviously, when you live in a place like Colorado, um, there's a tendency for the people and the executives and the companies to realize that work-life balance matters to people. Um, uh, how have you been able to navigate that yourself before we get into what you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so we we have a hybrid schedule here. Um, we're in the office uh, two days a week, sometimes three days a week, or in cases like this week where we just had an enormous event. We're in every day just putting together an event. Um, but uh, most of the time we're, we're in two, three days a week um, and remote from the house or wherever you want to be the rest of the time. Um, and, and it works really well. It's comfortable. And we're, we're again, like just outside of Boulder in a, in a town called Broomfield, um, is where our, where our headquarters are. Okay. Okay, cool. Really cool. All right. So let's get to that day to day, right? I mean, you know, uh, we like to talk about in in our industry um you know we we like to say there's there's no such thing as a day to day um but obviously you have a job description and you have job responsibilities and that sort of thing right yeah. and so so tell us uh tell us what you're doing um on a on a semi regular uh, basis yeah so so big picture sales operations is really there to service the sales team um we are there to enable we are there to provide processes and procedures. 
We are there to get them their samples so they can go sell. We are here to put on sales meetings so that they can go and learn about the product so that they can turn around and go sell it. Um, a lot of the sales operations uh, side of the business is all about enablement for our sales team to make sure they can do the best job they can. Yeah. The flip side of that is putting together reports um, and analytics for the team so that they, when they want to come and analyze their business, they come to our team and they ask, okay, what's happening with my bookings for the next year? How did my business perform last year? Um, how am I tracking for this year? All that kind of stuff belongs on our team. And I have myself, um, I report to the VP of sales. And then there's uh, three people on my team. Um, who are uh, in charge of kind of that enablement and then the process and procedures and analytics side of the business. Okay, I love it. And then you you mentioned events, and so yeah. um, that that, that it sounds like that's a big part of your big part of your job too. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a huge part of the job. Um, it's it's something that's uh, that's very time consuming, as as many of our uh, uh, RBTA students uh, or experienced industry management students would understand. Um, yeah. And it's and it's a big part of the role. So uh, we plan um, first and foremost four times a year. We do sales meetings for our team, either virtually or in person. Um, and and we we call them market launches, where we fly in the entire team, and there's about 350 people that attend for the week, where okay. we show them all the new shoes. We take them out to dinner. Um, we build a lot of hype and excitement about the newest season, so that they can go turn around and, and go sell the product. Yeah. Um, there's a ton of logistics behind that. And we work really closely with our marketing and merchandising teams to, to put those events together. Um, and then the other side of that is that we have, once we get into selling season, we have trade shows that we put together. So we're going in a couple of months, we'll be in New York City um, at a trade show, which has my favorite name called Fanny. Um, it's Fashion Footwear Association of New York, but um, yeah. it's 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 a fun name to say. Uh, where we get a building in New York City, and and we have all of our customers come by. We go out to dinner with the customers. We have um, big displays of all of our footwear everywhere, and have okay. investor meetings. And it's it's a big production again. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's a ton of a ton of logistics that go into uh, getting those things planned. Right, and you know, I, I just, I, I just love talking to, to to people like you and and our our alumni, you know, all over the world because, you know, it just it it opens up um, possibilities for 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 people, right? When because you know you think about it, you're like, what what is um what does someone who do, uh, you know director of sales operations for Crocs do? Like, well, there's events, there's like all kinds of yeah. launches and and conferences and and you know so many things happening behind the scenes, um, whether it be in fashion or tech or recreation or whatever it might be, um, where uh, our skills are applied. And so that's one of the questions that I want to ask you is, um, you know, when you were when you were here at Cal Poly and as a recreation parks and tourism administration major, you weren't necessarily envisioning yourself as a director of sales operations for Crocs, yeah. right? <laughs> but <laughs> when I, you know, when I saw your position, I was like, oh, of course, that, that's so awesome, right? Because now that we've, you know, created, you know, I tell people, um, we created the name experience industry management really just as an umbrella to cover everything that we do. And then we realized, oh, wow, this experience thing is real. 
Um, everyone yeah. in every industry, like you said, in some way, shape or form is managing experiences, right? Whether it's the user, the customer, the client, the employee, it's all co-creation of experiences. And so I'm curious um, whether or not um, you feel like there's a transferability of skills from what you learned to what you're doing now. A hundred, a hundred million percent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, everything from event planning to networking to, you know, the soft skills that RPTA taught me. It's not just the stuff that I learned in the classroom either. Um, I learned so much outside of the classroom um, from, from the uh, professors and from my, 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 Students, not my students, my my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> <laughs> my fellow students, I should say. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's really, it's really pretty cool. Um, so let's get into let's get into opportunities and challenges. We'll start with challenges. Um, what do you see? What do you see as the challenges? And and we'll we'll make this. Let's make this Croc specific. Um, what are some of the challenges that you're you're trying to navigate there in the workplace? Well, looking kind of at a macro level, we're starting to see a little consumer softness um, across retailers. Foot Locker, for an example, reporting some some significant earnings uh, dropping last year, continuing into this year. It's a, it's a significant headwind for, for a very prominent um, retailer in this space. Mm. Um, we're starting to see... Um, some of the shift move away from bigger box stores like that. We're starting to see some interest in smaller mom and pop shops and having uh, heat and energy type product in those stores and, and really speaking to a consumer rather than speaking more broadly to a big audience. So navigating that has been has been a new interesting challenge for us. Um, and then, you know, Crocs has really taken off. I think back, if you had asked me 10 years ago, Crocs was reserved for people who lived in the Southeast and um, wore wore Crocs all the time. But since the past five years, six years has happened, Crocs is a shoe that everybody wears. It's a shoe for everybody. And navigating how we speak to each different consumer is a really big part of what we do. And the logistics behind that and making sure that we have um, product for each of those uh, groups of people Mm -hmm. is is a new challenge and and it's a it's a significant one we have a really cool product team that that puts out really unique stuff every season yeah but it continues to be one of the fun things to work through i love it i love it what about uh what about the flip we'll we'll uh we'll we'll switch it right the the opportunities um and you just touched on that a little bit right but um but what do you what do you see you know uh you you joked earlier about people might not admit it right and so um you know uh, making making crocs cool um i i know that's not necessarily yours your uh your area but um but tell us obviously everyone is uh, uh, impacted by that um, what do you see as the opportunities moving forward? Yeah. So we have a, a couple cool, fun things. And I just grabbed a couple off the wall. I know the people on the podcast can't, can't see these, but I think it's fun to, um, share. So yeah, you're a storyteller. So you tell, you tell them about it. <laughs> one of the coolest opportunities is this, uh, heat and energy that I was just talking about. Oh, that's this a cool a, one. This is a really cool, uh, shoe. Some of you might know it. Crocs, uh, collaborates with Salehi Benberry, 
Um, and Salehi's very well known for his uh, unique style. This shoe that I'm holding up now is is a shoe that is molded after a fingerprint, um, oh. and it's and it's meant to look as such. Um, okay. And so we have a huge opportunity to continue growing, and we have a lot of momentum behind us in this kind of heat energy street lifestyle um, oh. type consumer where it's these one-off licenses or like we just sold out of lightning McQueen in a matter of hours the other day. No way. And I, yeah. And it's, I'll, I'll pull one out for Dr. Greenwood again to see, but it's, it lights up. I don't know if we can, Oh, you can't really see it on the, uh, oh, without the lights on. Oh, that, no. I can see, I see it. it. No yeah. way. Lightning McQueen. Oh my yeah. God. My, my kids are such big cars fans growing up. Uh, we were in that, we were in that era. Nick. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that, yeah. oh my goodness. I bet you sold out of those. What, yeah. what exciting things, you know, that, that first shoe, um, reminded me, um, I forget what they were even called, but I was one of the first people to buy those shoes that like look like socks, but. Oh, uh, Vibram five fingers. Yeah. 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 There's the, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what, yeah. that, that's what that one looked like. Oh, like funny, yeah. Really Fair. cool. Like, um, but, but, uh, that's so, yeah, I love it. That's really awesome. It's gotta be exciting to see all the new things that your product designers come up with and the, the collabs and everything. Um, are, are you involved with any of the collab um, type of creations or, or do you just, um, you, you take it from there? Is that how it goes? Yeah, I, I'm not involved in the collaboration process. We have a team that is uh, much more creative than I am that, that works on that side of the business and it's really fun to watch, but yeah, we get to take it from there and, and get the, the, get the, uh, market excited about it in the wholesale place. Right, right. I love it. So let's um let, let's uh let's shift to, to the advice uh portion of uh of the program. Um you know if you could time travel uh back in, in time to, to your junior year um uh, what it uh what advice uh besides make sure you ask her to farmers market would you give yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good one that would have been a that would have been a keen one yeah, um, yeah. and i would uh I, I think the only other one i would add is is something that i i alluded to at the beginning of the podcast which is just mm -hmm. to get involved like sink your teeth into everything you can yeah like looking back i am thrilled at how much i did in college to just try everything i didn't know much about everything that I was doing, but it was just the act of just doing it um, yeah. that that really made a difference. And just showing up, um, yeah. I think there's uh, there's obviously the quote that's ninety percent of the the job is just showing up at the front door. Um, yeah. I, it's it's real. Just show up and try things, figure things out, do different things that may expand what you know and understand. Um, that's it's something that that I hope I continue to do today too. But one of the things that I learned well to do in college, and and it served me well throughout. Yeah, you know, I I look back, Nick, and I, I just remember, um, you know, having you have to have an awareness of how things work, and I I know that that I didn't have that at all when I was in school, and um and. and but I know that you did, you know, whether you whether you realized it consciously or not, um, you did, because, um, you know, when you have 10, 15 faculty and staff, we're obviously very small. Right. But but when when we made a call, we knew Nick Taylor was going to be one of the first ones to answer that call. Right. You were you were always there to answer the call. And um, 
And when you when you have 10 to 15 people in a close-knit kind of team environment on a college campus, um, they talk, of course. We meet every week, right? And so <laughs> when we're sitting there and we go, hey, you know, we've got this really great opportunity. Oh, yeah, Nick will do it. I'm sure Nick, you know, when you're that person that that answers the call, your name keeps coming up. And um, and so, you know, I know in, in the fall you'll you'll be uh you'll be a fall podcast here. So um we we um we we have our current incoming freshmen, um, you know, or first year students. Um, we have them listen to the podcast. So, uh, cool. so they'll, they'll hear this. So show up and uh, and raise your hand for sure. Um, we're, we're doing our part, Nick. Appreciate that. Uh, the yeah. last thing I want to uh, I want to leave with is, you know, just just general advice that you would have for, you know, students who uh are are now sitting in your seat that you that you were in 10 years ago who are who were scared about you know going out into the career space um what advice would you would you give them i think this is advice that i also received while at cal poly and i didn't take it to heart and mm-hmm. 10 years later i i now take it to heart um and i don't think it's too late but it's but it's something that uh, maybe I just understand a little bit better now, which is that you should go and try different things. No matter what your internship is, whether you love it or you hate it, try something new and just work uh, throughout your 20s on discovering new things. If you want to start a business, if you want to start a podcast, if you want to try making shoes, like just go after it. Don't cross, don't cross Butler. Don't cross Butler nope. off your list. That's right. You don't cross might not be P. Diddy. You might not, you might not get to sneak P. Diddy in the side door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might not. You might not, but you would learn more about yourself in those moments of expanding what you didn't know before. Like I, I have learned so much about myself after being a butler, and it started to shape who I am now. And I think um Jerusha actually shared this with me. She's like, I think this is in our like senior project class. She was like, you really don't know who you are until you're 35 and don't force yourself to know who you are at the age of 22. There you go. And I want to shout her out for that. And, and also I've got a wise wife. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) I think that every day, Nick, I'm so so grateful. (laughs) Yeah. It's the truth. It's the truth. I bought, myself, I bought myself a grateful everyday hat because that's what I have to remind myself that I, uh, I, uh, outkick, I outkick my coverage on that one, you know? So, uh, you know, sometimes you gotta be, you gotta be thankful for what you, what you got. Right. Yeah. And can, do we have time for one more? 100%. We uh, have time okay. for 10 more. I, I have one more, which is one that I've, um, taken to well recently, which is that your work on yourself never stops. Um, and, and meaning that no matter when you graduate from school and when you get a job, your job is not who you are. Your job is not necessarily going to be your entire identity. You are a person outside of that work and you need to continue to work on yourself and make sure that you are happy outside of work and happy with your life. Um, and, and that you love yourself outside of it. Um, and I think especially now coming out of the pandemic, it's more important than ever um, that, that we just pay attention to how we are doing as people um, and and as humans that we take care of each other and, and first and foremost ourselves. Yeah. Oh, wow, Nick. I um, 
I uh, I would have given you um I would have given you uh forty five extra minutes on that one because it's <laughs> uh that's just um so so incredibly important and um I'm not even going to try to tack anything onto that but I just uh, want to say. I 100% agree and really appreciate you expressing that. I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I know there's probably some um, some fish jumping somewhere that you need to go <laughs> and um, and um, and uh, send a fly towards or or yep. uh, or send some uh, send some rubber down a, a mountain and um, and uh, just want to thank you so much. It's so great to catch up with you. Um, I uh, you know I, I I joke with people because. I I, f- I feel like I'm I'm all I'm saying a lot. This is one of my favorite former students. You know, it's like and and, and I mean it with every every time I say it, I mean yeah. it, and I mean it here. And um, it's so so great to catch up with you. And um, next time you come into town early for a Thursday, um, I, I would not dare uh, suggest that. We meet you at the farmer's market, but I'd love to buy you a coffee or a beer or whatever. And um, uh, please, please reach out. I can't wait. We'll be there in April. Oh, all right. Oh, all right. Book, book it. Book yep. it. All we right. Can do that. Great to see you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Greenman. See ya.